Welcome to Marvelous Disney, the podcast that discusses the most recent doings at one of the more dynamic divisions of the Walt Disney Company, which is, of course, Marvel Entertainment. This is entertainment writer Jim Hill and my co-host, the amazing Aaron Adams and I, are recording this week's episode on Wednesday evening, April 12th, 2023. 57 years ago today, on April 12th, 1966, issue number 146 of Strange Tales hit news racks around the country. And this is the issue where we were not only introduced to the character of the Black Panther, uh, we also learned about the nation of Wakanda, the idea of this all-powerful, amazing metal vibranium, even the heart-shaped herb that gave Black Panther his or her power. But this was a, you know, kind of, this was a Stan Lee, Jack Kirby special, the two of them working together, and created something. In fact, it was the second story in this issue. It, you know, it was the B story. And it went on, to obviously, if you think about the two Black Panther movies, the original in 2018 and Wakanda Forever just last year, combined international box office of over $2.2 billion. And again, that's all on the back of issue 146 of Strange Tales, released today, back in 1966. Do we have that in our collection? or If I had that in my collection, I'd be retired. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, I, sounds like I gotta go find this issue. Okay, anyway, folks, lots has happened uh, since Aaron and I recorded an episode of, of Mud, so let's just get to it. And as always, the news portion of Marvelous Disney is brought to you by Storybook Destination, trusted travel partner of the Jim Hill Media Podcast Network. For a worry-free travel experience every time, please book online at storybookdestinations.com. Okay, Aaron, so over the years, there have been all sorts of discussions about who is the toughest Avenger, but as Jimmy Kimmel pointed out just last week, debate's been permanently settled at this point. It's It's got to be Hawkeye, or, or at least Hawkeye as played by Jeremy Renner. He's been everywhere this past week to 10 days. Did you see the, for example, the special last Thursday night where he was interviewed with Diane Sawyer? about the New Year's Day incident? No, no, I haven't seen any of it yet. Okay. But it was easy for him to get on all these shows because they just put him in a little manila envelope and slid him under the door. <laughs> he, he was there for him in the morning. Uh, hey, what oh, the hell? How we put Jeremy Renner in the... Uh, oh, oh, that... <laughs> you can do that I'm because sorry, he's okay. No, okay. I, I know, <laughs> I, I know, I know. It's it, 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 poor taste. It, it, it is, but, but again, you can't get away with that joke. All right, cool. What was interesting for me, at least with the Diane Sawyer thing on ABC, is they actually did animation to show what happened. I mean, they literally showed him, you know, the snowcat, and he was towing his nephew's car out of the snowdrift, and he couldn't see his nephew for a moment, so he stepped out on the track, and that's how it all went down. Please tell me it looked like one of those uh, Korean re-animations that they use for new segments. With, with oh, really poor animation, because that would have made it really good. They should have gone that way, but it yeah. was, was actually rather tastefully done. 
but again, he follows it up with an appearance on Kimmel on Friday, walking with a cane. The one moment where he went off brand was this past weekend when he took his family to Six Flags Magic Mountain. And, you know, as far as the Disney company is concerned, given that he, he appeared on uh, with Diane Sawyer on ABC and he then went on uh, late night with Jimmy Kimmel, he really should have gone to Disneyland. But turns out that Renner is a roller coaster freak. And if you, you're looking for a lot of coasters, that's not Disneyland. That's definitely Six Flags Magic Mountain. And then, uh, what was it, just last night, he was on the red carpet for Renovations, which, uh, by the way, first episode of that four-part series dropped on Disney Plus today. And in fact, the log line for the show is, this premium four-part series embraces Jeremy's lifelong passion to give back to communities around the world by reimagining unique purpose-built vehicles to meet a community's need. And maybe purpose-built vehicles might have been, you know, just a little on the nose. I, I got one for you, a okay. uh, snowcat with a kickstand. <laughs> All right. Well, Renner actually bears no ill will to this 14,000-pound snowcat that rolled over on him and then broke 30 bones in his body. In fact, he he also doesn't blame the manufacturer for what happened. He, He readily admits this whole incident was his own fault. It was operator error. And in fact, at last night's premiere, there was a reporter who asked him about his snowcat, and Renner joked, I, I just have to learn to drive it better. You put it out. We can make fun of this now because we seem to be on this side of it. I would say the dude's got a couple of bucks he can afford to pay someone to operate for him. This is also worth considering. And in fact, I, I wonder if Mrs. Redder is having that conversation with him. Yeah, she's like, I'll be damned if you get back on that thing. <laughs> you, you know that neighbor that we don't like? Have him get on it and do the plowing <laughs> for a little while. Okay. Okay. Oh, by the way, speaking of Disney Plus, which again is it's where Renovations just debuted, we finally got a full-size trailer for Secret Invasion. Did, did you get to see that? I did. Okay. And uh, yeah, I, I'm not fully on board with that yet. It hasn't really quite grabbed me. It looks interesting. Okay. Uh, of course, I'll end up watching it. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm still waiting for the thing that makes me go, oh my goodness, this is crazy, mm-hmm. uh, whatever they're doing here. Okay. I think, you know, there are some shows that have really found their groove. You know, like Mandalorian seems to be on a whole new level than it was ever on seasons one and two right now. And uh, I, I'm kind of wondering, it's each Marvel show seems mm. to be its own personal identity. How do you find a groove if you only get one season? That is interesting. It's hard for a crew to gel, right? Mm-hmm. You know. Well, now while we were away, I, I don't know if you saw that there were some hints that it looks like Moon Knight season two is in fact going forward, which would be great. On the other hand, Secret Invasion, which debuts on Disney Plus uh, June twenty first, logline is. In Marvel Studios' new series, set in the present-day MCU, uh, Nick Fury learns of a clandestine invasion of Earth by a faction of shape-shifting Skrulls. Fury joins his allies, including Everett Ross, Maria Hill, and the Skrull Talos, who has made a life for himself on Earth. Together, they race against time to thwart an eminent Skrull invasion and save humanity. What we know so far out ahead of uh, Secret Invasion, six episode total, series ends on July 26th of this year. 
And had the Marvel stuck with its original release date for this summer, uh, July 28th, mm-hmm. there would have been only two days between the end of Secret Invasion, the limited series, and then the Marvel's theatrical release date, which has been Kevin Feige's dream all along, you know, the whole notion of, you know, you end a limited series and then you go straight into a theatrical release, you know, to the effect of- Like the next week? Yes, yes, that's it, exactly. Now, the Marvels is uh, going to be released to theaters on November 10th of this year, and- uh, the Marvels has moved a lot. It actually started off life, it was going to be released July 8th of last year, then it got bumped to well, November 11th. Then for a time, it was uh, slated to go into theaters on February 17th of this year, and as we mentioned, July 28th and then November 10th. Um, want to stress here that this was never an issue of film quality. There, there were obviously some pandemic-related re- delays in this production, but it's just like hundreds of other films and TV shows that have been produced in uh, Hollywood, Atlanta, and London over the past three years. What did you think of the trailer? Now, that one was a lot more fun. That mm-hmm. that one like immediately had a, a wow factor to it. Mm-hmm. It still had its own original feel. Like I like the way that th- that the characters looked on screen. Like Monica Rambeau's got her white costume. Mm-hmm. It's like stark black and white. Okay. Her character looks completely different from Miss Marvel mm-hmm. and uh, also looks completely different from Captain Marvel, right? Mm-hmm. They all have their own personal identity. And I'll tell you, Milan Vellani, I think, is the one that, like, every time she showed up on screen, you could see the enthusiasm, the oh, wow factor. And yeah. that, that enthusiasm, I, I think, was infectious. But at the same time, I have to say... It was so much fun to see her mom and dad again. I'm really looking forward to that part of the show again as well. And also the Flurkin kittens. I mean, you know, it's just, oh, that's printing money. We were just talking about release dates here. Had the Marvels stuck with its original July 2002 release date, the notion was from that last scene of Iman and Carol Danvers switching places in her bedroom. Supposedly, the show was supposed to have ended on a Tuesday on Disney+, and that very next Friday, the Marvels was supposed to have opened in theaters in July of 2002. Again, this is... Kevin Feige really does want this to eventually happen. So wait, he's tried to link up the Marvels to both Miss Marvel and now... Secret Invasion? Yeah. Within a week? This is his dream. You create an event. They did that with X-Files in the 90s. It's not like it's a a big, huge, super mystery conundrum wrapped in a riddle, wrapped in an enigma that has Mm -hmm. to be solved. Mm -hmm. It's been done. It's not that hard. What you have to do in that situation is either commit to a date. Mm -hmm. And I get that, you know, if if Marvel and Disney decide they want to make something better, that means you Mm -hmm. just have to sit on the other thing that's done a bit Mm -hmm. longer before you can release the other thing that's supposed to be paired with it. I get what you're saying. I I guess the other issue here, and we've we've talked about this, with the budget cutbacks and the production slowdowns that Disney has asked Marvel to take, honestly, at this point, Aaron, it's looking like it's going to be another couple of years before the planets align the way you know Kevin Feige hopes 
And he gets to do this for Marvel fans, creates this show. Limited series ends on Tuesday, movie that continues. The story arrives in theaters on Friday. And just that level of excitement that supposedly will help drive the box office. And the folks at Marvel Studios are really eager to do this because if you've noticed what happened at the box office just in the past week or two, what with John Wick 4 and the Super Mario Brothers movie, Mm -hmm. both of them overperforming, you know, people are getting comfortable with the idea post-pandemic of going back to the theaters. That they're, you know, if it's an event, they'll go. Given what went on with the box office for Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania, Kevin's looking to create some events because we're now on the on the far side of Ant-Man and the Wasp in ending its theatrical run. In fact, they just announced that later this month, the digital version of Quantumania is going to be available uh, for purchase on April 18th, while the, the Blu-ray and the DVD hit store shelves on May 16th. But there's a number of folks at Marvel right now who are looking at how Quantumania ultimately did at the box office, and it currently stands at 212 million domestic, uh, 216 million overseas for worldwide total. Excuse me, 261 overseas uh, for 474 million dollars worldwide. And if you compare that to how the original Ant Man did back in 2015, where domestically it did 180 million. Overseas, it did $339 million for 519 or for that matter, how Ant-Man and the Wasp, didn't, the sequel did in 2018, where it was 216 domestic and then $406 million overseas. What's genuinely concerning the folks at Marvel is there was literally, it's like they cut the box office in half compared uh, overseas. It's just, for some odd reason, audiences did not turn out for this, you know, to see Scott Lang in a third film. And it's just sort of like, what happened there? And that's a little concerning when your next film is also a three, uh, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, which arrives in theaters on May 5th. And by the way, have you heard about what the IMAX folks are doing a couple days before... Volume 3 opens. Oh, no. What's IMAX got going on? They're going to run all three of the Guardians movies back to back on the third. If you manage to hang in there for, I I, I think somebody did the math and it's uh, with the breaks between films and this sort of thing. It's over seven hours. Yeah, that's a little too long to be in a theater. Yeah, but yeah, you you get a commemorative poster, you get a lanyard, and tickets are on sale right now. But they're really leaning into the sort of musical aspect of this project. In fact, I don't know if you saw the the trailer that uh, just dropped where they talk about how summer begins with their final tour. And yeah, box office projections are already out there for this last uh, directed by James Gunn MCO film. And it looks like they're being a little conservative this time around. They look to be 120 to 155 over its opening weekend and sort of doing the math as to how long, you know, and given especially what's been going on with the most recent Marvel films, they're projecting the final take in North America will be somewhere between 280 to just over 400 million domestic. So... Is this one really on your radar? What? How do you feel about this one? I've always enjoyed the Guardians movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've never been a Guardians comic book collector. 
or okay. reader in any mm-hmm. sort of shape or form. Mm-hmm. So almost all of my my general guardian's knowledge is going to come from whatever the movies are are feeding me. Mm-hmm. So I'm not really personally connected to them in a major way. I did enjoy with a lot of our Marvel heroes were earthbound so much mm-hmm. of the time. Okay. And so to go out in space and do nice big space epics mm-hmm. and have very little earth as background scenery and something cosmic and wild mm-hmm. um, is is a lot of great fun. Okay. So yeah, in, in those senses, I, I do look forward to a Guardians movie on Oh, thank God, it's finally something different. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we get to go to space for a little bit. Um, I've always enjoyed all of the cast. And, uh, yeah, so, I mean, there's really not any negatives about it. And the soundtrack that, that you mentioned as well have mm-hmm. always been, a, a like, a prized feature of those films. So, all true. All yeah, true. All, all the way around, I definitely uh, will be looking forward to seeing it. Uh, but with, with the trailer, again, it's just like... There's nothing that really is. I mean, I know the general storyline. It's kind of like when you read the the Nick Fury uh, storyline mm-hmm. for Secret Invasion. Yep. It's like, yeah, the, everything in the trailer looks exactly like what you read off that page. <laughs> I mean, there was no, there was nothing surprising about it. Okay. And for a long time, we've known that Rocket is going to mm-hmm. be like the central focus, and that mm-hmm. we'll probably end up wrapping up Drax's storyline, and mm-hmm. there's going to be some conclusions. And it looks like it's leaning all in that direction, and it looks very pretty and poppy and colorful. God, the colors. The mm-hmm. primary colors of the spacesuits when they're doing that little space jump scene, mm-hmm. um, it, it just looks like bubblegum on screen. It looks great. Okay. But speaking of things you're looking forward to, where do you stand on Deadpool and Wolverine? Which, by the way, evidently is finally going to go before the cameras on May 1st. In that instance, anything that Ryan does, if mm-hmm. Ryan Reynolds is attached to it, it's worth watching. I'll, I'll give my money right there just because he's a funny dude. I mean, okay. free guy and, and you know things that are not Marvel-related have just mm-hmm. been great. Okay. Um, I would love to see him mess with Wolverine in a way that Fox never could. Well, it's interesting you say that because there is now an official logline out there for the Sean Levy film. And it is, a weary Wolverine finds himself recovering from his injuries when he comes across a loudmouth Deadpool who has time-traveled forward to heal his greatest pal in the hope of to befriend the wild beast and to team up to take down a foe they both have in common. And who's the foe? All we've got... Right now, for casting info, is a lot of the folks from the original two uh, Deadpool movies are coming back. Uh, Karen Sonny is going to be Dopeinder. Leslie Uggams is coming back as Blind Al. Likewise, Marina Baccarena is back as Vanessa. Uh, Stefan Papnik is going to be back as Colossus. But what's interesting about the whole time travel aspect of it? supposedly Owen Wilson is going to show up as Mobius and we're also going to get Miss Minutes rolling in for for some aspect of this thing. So I'm kind of intrigued by that. Yeah, I don't know how big of a part Miss Minutes is going to end up playing considering considering she's an animated clock. There we go. But uh, yeah, it'll probably just be a a pop-up here and Mm -hmm. and a little, I don't want to say a glorified cameo, but... Mm -hmm. I don't see her running around on adventures with, no. with Logan and, and the boys. But kind of intriguing about the time travel aspect. Oh, yeah. yeah. That supposedly goes before the cameras May 1st. On the other hand, 
production has been underway in New York for a full month now on Daredevil Born Again. And I don't know if you've been seeing any of the photos that have been coming off of the set, but Vincent D'Onofrio just did an interview with Newsweek where he was talking about how this version, uh, you know, Daredevil Born Again is going to be very, very different from the Netflix show. To be specific, here's the pull quote. We've only just started shooting. I think we're a couple of weeks in. And the show is going to be, like I said, very, very different from the Netflix show. And it's so exciting because what we're doing is quite something. I think that it's something that people are not going to expect. But always with these Marvel old comic stories, when they're revisited and reinvented by us actors and the writers, the main thing is to answer the fans, uh, to give them what they want, but to try to be original in some way at the same time. And that's what we're doing on the show. It's definitely an original way to look at this, and it's really deep, it's really, deep, really emotional. Apparently, they gave the kingpin a cape and the ability to fly. <laughs> no, 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 no. That's not. That's not it at all. I wonder. Like, are they trying to separate themselves in in some creative way? Are, are they really going to try and stand apart from what they've already done? Are they not going to claim it at all? Is is that what they're saying, or is it just going to be that it's different? It may be connected, but it's going to be tonally and visually and, and storytelling wise. Very much different because I think, you know, the Netflix, they depended a lot on bringing the Defenders together. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And and that's not a goal at this moment is is having the Defenders reunite. And so, you know, I, I can see that difference playing mm-hmm. an impact on how the story plays out. I just wonder, are they going to acknowledge that the past even existed on Netflix? I've heard from a number of different sources that Kristen Ritter, the, the, who played Jessica Jones, is coming back. But at the same time, what's kind of interesting about what Vincent is saying here is I don't know if you caught what Bob Iger said at the virtual shareholders, uh, annual shareholders meeting earlier this month, where he talked about after all of this time of, oh, no, 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 we we take everything back and it's only going to be on Disney Plus or ABC or that sort of thing. But he actually talked about, you know, we're revisiting the idea of, of lending out characters to producing shows for other streaming services. So just kind of bizarre. You know, if you think of how long we had to wait to get new Daredevil because they had to wait out the Netflix exclusivity contract, you know. But I also think that that might be like, I, I wouldn't say that I would expect any Marvel live action to end up getting farmed out to another location. It's not like mm-hmm. they're going to go give that to Netflix again for a second time. Mm-hmm. But they they do have things that are like animated Spider-Man. You mm-hmm. know, they've got the rights to that. Mm-hmm. And if they were to give that to like maybe a Hulu to boost mm-hmm. subscriptions in that direction or... Mm-hmm. License it out to Sony. I don't know who the hell Sony's going to give it to. They've been giving everything they make to Amazon. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, maybe that's the thing where it's like, hey, Amazon, you know, you've got all this Spider-Man universe stuff coming up. How mm-hmm. would you like a couple animated Spider-Man shows that we've got in the vault? We don't have access to the real hard numbers of what's it take to co- the cost of making a show versus mm-hmm. what you're going to make if you sell it to Amazon versus what you're going to make if it if it just stays content content for Disney Plus because mm-hmm. one of the challenges they had was they had this like you know was it billion or two billion dollar loss in revenue mm-hmm. or whatever mm-hmm. and they're you know making budget cuts well what the hell if you start farming out your your content to somewhere else how, how are sus- subscribers going to be tempted to go to Disney Plus 
when maybe the show that you just farmed out went to Amazon. And you're like, oh, that's what I really wanted to see. Mm-hmm. I have to go now subscribe to Amazon Prime and get free shipping on stuff so mm-hmm. I can go see the animated Spider-Man. I don't know. It's just... There's there's a series of number balancing and juggling that's going on in the background that we just aren't privy to, so we'll not know, is this a really good idea or not? Well, what's kind of interesting, and this is literally the headline of, you know, for a, a feature that ran in Fortune back on uh, March 10th. And it, it says that Bob Iger says Disney Plus hoarding its own movies and TV shows wasn't as valuable as he thought and admits that the company needs to rethink when it comes to streaming strategies. So Okay. Well, what about what about uh, older, like, you know, the Disney content that could be Alice in Wonderland, Peter Pan, Pinocchio, the classic things that, you know, they have hoarded and they still have some sort of value and they're just like, what if we let, uh, you know, partnered up with so-and-so and they became a Disney partner for a while. And it's like, how much money could they get if they got, you know, just other stuff that's been available but not quite urgently popular right this second. Like, if if a new Star Wars show comes out, like Mandalorian, or if a new mm-hmm. Marvel show comes out right now, the only reason I'm subscribing right now is for Marvel and Star Wars content. Mm-hmm. So... They could, in my eyes, Disney could get rid of just about anything as long as it's not Star Wars or Marvel, and I wouldn't care. I wouldn't miss it at mm. all. So it's like, well, maybe someone's trying to build a family audience, and and Disney's got cartoons from the network that they used to run that they could shovel over that way and and make a buck. I don't know. But take for example, there's the brand new Peter Pan and Wendy live action thing. Uh, David Lowry directed that for Disney. Uh, that's going to be showing up on Disney Plus on April 28th, you know, the, the later this month. And one of the reasons that they did this live action version of Peter Pan was that Disney's own research shows that there's a certain very desirable young demographic that looks at a hand-drawn Disney film and goes, meh. You know, I mean, it's just sort of, I, I like CG, you know, that, that the hand drawn right. stuff is, uh, that's old. That's you know, what their eyes is uh, accustomed to. You know, it's, it's the exact same with a certain age of people who prefer vinyl versus MP3s and young people are used to the way the MP3s sound mm-hmm. and, and there's just a quality to it that they, they grew up listening to it. That's how they prefer it. Yep. But and at the same, yeah. the same time, what's interesting is just. This past weekend, we had a, a family party down at Nancy's sister's place, and her her nephew Jonathan collects vinyl because, yeah. to his ears, is this you know thirty three year old you know uh, it's warmer, it's nice, it has a better yeah. sound, and it I just, can I can do a, a scientific explanation of what happens it, very very quickly. By the way, it, mm-hmm. when you do digital, it's like taking a, a you know how you have frames per second, like thirty frames per second for video. Mm-hmm. Yep, it's taking thousands of little snapshots, and mm-hmm. and you get this little stair. When you draw a waveform, mm-hmm. it's it's a perfect curve, a perfect S curve. But when you recreate it, it's a little set of staircases that goes up, and then a staircase that goes down, and then a staircase that goes back up. And it's those little gaps in the staircases where you'd normally have a smooth line in your waveform, where instead it's a little step, 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 mm-hmm. step, 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 step. And, and that's digital versus analog. And, uh, you know, not many people can hear the difference, and you have to kind of know what you're listening for for the difference. But, yeah, mm-hmm. there's a, a reason, you know, people like analog gear and, and all that jazz. But, yeah, that's that's it right there. I did not know that. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Well, 
Thank you for sharing. Um, oh, I, I, and speaking of stuff we, we've shared on, on previous show, folks, we were talking about the uh, Victoria Alonso situation at Marvel. And we have yet to talk about what's going on with Jonathan Majors, but Aaron and I will get to that on the second half of today's show. But first, this... On our last Marvelous Disney, I was sharing information that friends at Marvel had handed along to me. It's like, oh, the Victoria Alonso situation. No, things are fine. You know, that it's just a misunderstanding. And, you know, we're all happy and she's going to go find a, another job. In fact, you know, that... that we suggested that, that there was a possibility she was going to join James Gunn over at DC. <laughs> and boy, that all went south after we recorded that show. And so while you were away traveling, you made a quick stop by the dirt farm to gather more dirt. What you find? <laughs> well, <laughs> um, well, first of all, uh, Victoria has gotten herself a lawyer. Ooh, that's not a new job. <laughs> no, no. The, the Patty Glazer, who, um, in fact, what's kind of interesting is the story that has now come out is that Victoria was the producer of a, uh, this film was actually nominated for the Best International Feature Film at this year's Oscars. It was Argentina 1985. And the story that's come out now is according to the employment contract that Ms. Alonzo had with Disney, it prevented her from working on projects for any rival studios. And what's interesting about Argentina in 1985, it was produced in part by Amazon Studios. You know, and it then was released through Amazon Prime Video back in October of last year. And there were those who, it's like, okay, this is the reason that Disney used or the excuse that Disney used to to push Miss Alonzo out the door, that this is actually more about what had been going on with the effects work on Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, likewise, Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania. I think on, on the last show or earlier shows, we've talked about how they were so far behind on uh, Wakanda Forever, they actually had to pull people off of quantum mania to come work on that ryan coogler film and there were those folks who insist that that then drove up the budget when they had to immediately pivot and throw all sorts of bodies at quantum mania in order to make their their february release date so uh this was kind of the last domino so uh, disney supposedly used this as an excuse, uh, you know, this, this uh, Argentina 1985 situation uh, as an excuse to let her go and then step in and try to fix the mess over at uh, Marvel Studios in regard to what's been going on with the effects and all that. And Patty Glazier has pushed back really hard uh, in regard to this, that Alonzo signed an amended employment agreement. So this shouldn't have been an issue. So the thing that's especially troubling about this is, well, first of all, Victoria was somebody that Disney happily trotted out whenever there were issues with the LBGT, uh, LGBTQ community because she mm-hmm. was a very prominent out person and you know was very comfortable in her role at Disney. 
And more to the point, I mean, Disney was so proud of their association with Victoria. She had a memoir that was supposed to be published by, by Hyperion. Possibility is your superpower. It was, you know, I mean, you, you could literally have gone over to Amazon and advanced ordered this thing. The other thing, frankly, is I just wonder, you know, the whole notion here of she was in the middle of award season, you know, trying to get, uh, you know, uh, Argentina in 1985 to win an Oscar. And remember, you know, uh, we talked about Disney's effort in regard to, you know, let's get Angela Bassett uh, an Oscar for Black Panther Wakanda Forever. And it's like the whole notion of, you know, we're all pulling in one direction here except for Victoria. Yeah, but her project had, had nothing to do with best supporting actress or best actress or any of that. It was all for, was it special effects? Yeah. I mean, I guess if they're running against each other for special effects work, that might be a, a little bit of a downer mm-hmm. that way. But I mean, you know, in some instances, in all, you know, fairness, so mm-hmm. to speak, uh, James Gunn is being, uh, you know, employed by DC right now and Warner Brothers. Yep. Mm-hmm. You couldn't get more enemy-like as far as an employer. Mm-hmm. And uh, they seem to be s- still on fairly good terms. Yeah. yeah. So I think it has to be, you know, just a touch more than, yeah, maybe she was doing a side project. And, mm-hmm. you know, maybe they gave her the, well, we're not going to give you our blessing, but we're not going to, you know, we'll, we'll look away and just not bring it up because it's not going to take up too much of your time. Mm-hmm. It, but then if it does affect other projects, if you see... You know, she's working late in the office and it's not your show that that she's working on. It's like, hey, what the hell, man? Come on now. That's an interesting point. Well, at this point, folks, I think we all need to sort of sit back and between what Patty Glazier, you know, this lawsuit she's filed against Disney and Marvel. It's going to be interesting to see if this actually makes it to trial or some sort of settlement further on down the line for Ms. Alonzo. And speaking of Ongoing legal matters, we're now going to pivot to talking about Jonathan Majors, who was arrested on Saturday, March 25th in New York following a domestic dispute. And the charges that went down were strangulation, assault, and harassment. But this got very, very complicated very, very fast. Uh, I want to say after Majors was arraigned, The following day, Sunday, March 26th, his lawyer basically said, look, Majors completely denies assaulting this woman. In fact, that he was the one who called the police on March 25th out of concern for her mental health and that they would release some text messages that would show that the the victim herself admitted to using physical force on Majors. And sure enough, on March 31st, these text messages were made available to the press. But New York has yet to withdraw the charges, and this is still chugging along. And what was kind of interesting was when these tech messages came out, uh, there was a lot of folks on social media who pointed out that what this woman was saying in the text messages, you know, was, was kind of the hallmarks of, of domestic violence and, you know, a, a very complicated relationship. And so this is still going on. And all parties involved here are trying to get to the bottom and trying to decide how to move forward here. But let's face it, you know, Jonathan Majors just appeared as Kang in Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantum Mania. Uh, prior to that, we, we were introduced to He Who Remains. 
in the first season of Loki. And as the end credit scene for uh, Quantumanian showed us, Jonathan Majors is playing dozens, if not hundreds of characters going forward in the MCU. And this gets problematic if the guy you're building, and in fact, think about it. Jonathan is booked for films as far out as 2026. I mean, May of that year is when Avengers Secret War is supposed to arrive in theaters. And the year prior to that, the first half of you know that Avengers event, the Kang Dynasty is supposed to hit theaters. And can you tell the nice folks the joke you made, you know, on Twitter when this all started to go down? Well, someone asked if they were going to recast them or, you know, how, how would you handle that if mm-hmm. if it turned out that it was true? Mm-hmm. And I said, ladies and gentlemen, uh, Kang will be played this week by Terrence Howard. <laughs> it's funny because it's, it's a little too close to the truth. Well, I mean, you know, it's, it's like, hey, you want a second swing at Bat Kid? Come on. Uh, how much money do you want this time? Well, not as much. Oh, it's funny you'd say that. We've got not as much. Here you go. Thank Put you on go. the suit. Get in. Yeah. The, now, the thing is, when I when I read the news, I was like hit with so many different emotions and it had mm-hmm. to split it down the middle of like, please, mm-hmm. God, don't let this be true. However, mm-hmm. if it is true, please mm-hmm. don't let him get away with it because mm-hmm. he's famous, because mm-hmm. we like him as an actor. Just, you know, let it let this happen quickly and for our sake, rather, you know, painlessly, just make it quick. Just get it over with. Did he do it or didn't he? And so the fact that, you know, there are text messages and, and, you know, that she was being abusive. But the thing is, like, if you were to take a swing at a woman, I think she'd swing back at you. Might even use them beautifully manicured nails to claw at your face a little bit. So mm-hmm. it would, it could look like you know she was doing damage, but it doesn't mean that he was completely innocent of anything. Mm-hmm. And so you know those things are complex, and the, and I don't think the New York court system should just drop it automatically. Like mm-hmm. you know the the thing is, there have been so many women that have been abused in Hollywood, just in mm-hmm. general by Hollywood, right? Mm-hmm. Not even just the mm-hmm. actors who you know take advantage of people mm-hmm. in general in a in a negative way. Mm-hmm. So if there's a victim, they should at least be heard. And if he's innocent, he's innocent and he walks free and we have wonderful movies and we cheer and we applaud. Mm-hmm. And if he's not so innocent, well, then we say, man, I hope you recast Marvel because we don't want to support people who do, do bad things to other people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, by the way, uh, uh, speaking of you know Hollywood and its treatment of women, these past weeks or so when I've been traveling the West Coast, I finally got to see, she said, the uh, Maria Schrader film about uh, the Harvey Weinstein thing uh, based on the 2019 book. Wonderful movie. Did a great job. But speaking of movies, as we mentioned earlier in today's show, Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania is going to be released digitally the 28th of this month. Mm-hmm. When they announced that, they put a a poster up on social media and uh, you know a lot of folks immediately noticed that you know whereas the theatrical release poster very prominently featured Jonathan Majors, the poster for the digital release of Quantumania, Jonathan Majors is nowhere to be seen. Like someone took Microsoft Paint and just put a bunch of white splotches all over to kind of blot them out? Uh, not quite, but oh, okay. but 
toward that effect. Well, I mean, did, was it the same kind of like framing where, you know, Ant-Man was like, I, I think he was kind of smaller and centered and Kang, like it was a big face looming in the background. Was it like just the face missing or did they reframe it so Ant-Man took up more space well, it's, in the it's, image? Well, it's literally a new composition. It's oh, okay, uh, cool. Scott Lang and the Wasp, you know, dead center in the image just above the Ant-Man and the Wasp quantum Mania title. I mean, it is called Ant-Man, but it's not, it doesn't have Kang's name in it. It's not the worst thing in the world. Okay. All right. But when you also put that piece of info alongside uh, what just happened with Loki Season 2, which, remember, uh, was originally supposed to be released summer of 2023 on Disney+. Plus. Uh, however, if you go over to that streaming service now... This sequel to season one of Loki uh, is now listed as coming soon. Mm. And remember, we just got, as the end credit scene of Quantum Mania, we saw Professor Time, or whatever his name was, and, and Loki and Morbius sitting in the audience. And, you know, Loki looks terrified, and Morbius is this is the guy? Yeah, you know, it's going to be a really bad sign if uh, they make changes. You know how sometimes after a series has come out, they'll make little tiny digital tweaks to it to, you know, make corrections mm -hmm. or whatever. Uh, okay, so you know the end of Loki season one, Loki comes out and uh, Mobius is there, and then there's that giant statue of Kang. Uh, so, yeah, what, what if they change it and Loki comes out and he's like, oh, Mobius, thank God you're here. Look, it's a statue of Jeff. Jeff the Conqueror, and uh, yeah, we, we don't we don't have uh, the Kang Dynasty anymore. We have the the Jeff Dynasty coming to a theater near you. Summers twenty twenty six. Well, worth noting here that the current scuttlebutt is that Loki has now been pushed, or season two of Loki has been pushed out till September of this year. Which, again, gives us a couple of months to see what happens with, with Mr. Majors and, and whether or not the charges get dropped and whether the parties settle. Uh, it, it, it will be interesting going forward here. I did hear that all uh, upcoming Marvel series will now be equipped with roller skates, so it's easier to push to a different date. <laughs> it seems oh. to be a, a trend, man. Okay, there we go. <laughs> totally changing the subject here. I have so been enjoying what you've been doing with 32nd Street. Because, I, again, I just have a fascination with advertising. And, and seriously, folks, if you're not paying attention to uh, Aaron's brand new podcast about the world of advertising, 32nd Street, you're missing out on some great stories. What are you discussing this week? This week on 32nd Street, we are doing ethics in advertising. I didn't realize that I even had ethics mm -hmm. in advertising. Apparently we do. We discuss things that you can and cannot do. And some things that you, that you can't do, but you do anyway, mm -hmm. like uh, subliminal advertising is illegal. Mm -hmm. But if you go look at a Coke or a Pepsi machine, if you look really close in the ice, you'll mm -hmm. see silhouettes of naked ladies. <laughs> it's, it's true. Uh, I used to work at a radio station that had a soda machine right next to my office. And one mm -hmm. of the fun things was to watch people just stare at the soda machine for a very long time and be like, what you staring at? And they're like, nothing. And then they walk away hurriedly. <laughs> I don't even know if they knew what they were doing, but we had a long discussion. Like several people knew and we would point out to it. And yeah, yeah, it's a thing. 
next time I see a soda machine, I'll have to check that out. Yeah. Oh, where can uh, folks find you on social media these days? Uh, still digging a ditch over at Twitter. Just look me up at Azaprod, A-Z-A-P-R-O-D. Got it. Speaking of which, you can still find us on Twitter and Instagram as Jim Hill Media, and over on Facebook as Jim Hill Media News. I also want to point out, we do a couple of other podcasts here at Jim Hill Media. We, of course, do Disney Dish with Len Testa. Likewise, we do Fine Tuning with Drew Taylor. That's our animation news podcast. And I will be recording a brand new Looking at Lucasfilm with Brian Gond fairly shortly. If you could do Aaron and I a favor, if you could head over to Apple Podcasts and rate and recommend, well, not just the show you're listening to right now, Marvelous Disney, but also 32nd Street, uh, that would be very helpful. And let's see if you really, really, really like what you heard here today. If you want to head over to Bandcamp and subscribe, that would be cool. And I guess for now, that's going to do it for Marvelous Disney's. Again, apologies that it had been a while uh, between episodes. That's my fault, not Aaron's. I was traveling and aboard the Halcyon, which, again, Mr. Tess and I will have to talk about at some point. But I mean, it goes to a whole different galaxy. It takes a minute to get there and back. Hey, it does. And then they lose your luggage. But that's another right. story. All right. Anyway, uh, thanks again for listening, folks. And Aaron and I will be back soon.